Thank you. Good morning to you. Thank you, all four of you. This is my friend, Cade. He's a freshman at uh, Asbury University. Have any of you... Have any of you been to the revival meetings down there? Hold your hand up. Look at that. Oh, my good. My goodness. Okay, brother, share. Uh, as he said, my name is Cade, and I'm just going to share um, my testimony about what God's been doing. So, since I was 13 years old, I have struggled with an addiction to pornography, and I have encountered the presence of God before. I have seen him move in mighty ways, and afterwards, I would, I would still struggle, and I was exhausted, and I was tired, and on Monday night, I remember I was, I was in my room, and I fell on my knees, and I cried out to God. I said, I cannot do this anymore, Lord. I cannot do this anymore. I am tired, and I am weary, and I need you. I need you to move. I cannot do this anymore. And then Tuesday morning came, and I woke up, and I was sick. And I was like, this sucks. And then Wednesday came, and I had to skip chapel because I was sick. And then I was getting text messages from my friends saying, you need to come to chapel. God is moving. The presence of the Lord is falling in this place. And I was angry because I was in my room sick, and I thought that I couldn't go. And so I was praying. I was like, God, why don't, why don't you want me there? Why don't you want me in this place while you are moving? And I felt like I heard him say, am I not greater than in sickness? Am I not greater than, than, than how you feel right now? And I was like, well, I, I guess you are. And so, so I got up and I went to chapel. And the second I stepped in that room, the second I stepped in that room, I felt his presence. And I began, I began to weep. And I, and I walked up to friends and I confessed everything that I had ever done. I confessed. And since then, I have never felt more free. I have never felt stronger in the presence of God. He is moving. He is moving in this place. And it doesn't just have to stay in Hughes. God's presence is not just in Hughes. And it's not in Hughes because it's a building. God's presence is over the entire earth. And he is in every person that is of him. Every person that is filled with the spirit. God is in them. And he is moving. And so if it is okay, I would like to read a scripture. Good. This is, this is Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 16. It says this. This is what the Lord says. Who makes a way in the sea and a path through surging waters? Who brings out the chariot and horse, the army and the mighty one together? They lie down. They do not rise again. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The animals of the field will honor me, jackals and ostriches, because I I provide water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you stepped down from heaven and entered into this place, God. Thank you that you love us, that you pour out your spirit upon us without measure. 
God, and I pray that you would fall in this place, Lord. I have seen yes, you do Lord. it in the past five days, Lord. I have seen you move. Yes, Lord. People have been worshiping you without ceasing, God, and I pray that it would continue here as well. Lord, may your children sing your praises to you, unending God. Give us a heart for the lost. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lord, pour your spirit out upon us without measure. I pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. More, more. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. We're talking about the monarch's thousand-year reign. And as you're looking for that, I just want to reinforce what Lauren said. Uh, 72% of churches in America don't really have much to help people in their marriages. What most churches, evangelical churches have, they have premarital counseling. Then they have crisis intervention when things aren't going well. And there's this huge gap in the middle. And often by the time we need intervention, there's been so much hurt. It's very difficult to turn it around. So the Lord has given this ministry called Grace Marriage. We meet four times a year. Soon I've been doing it for four years because I want to learn to love my wife even better than I love her now. So we start March 4th. We'd love to have you. Your pastor says we need to invest in the second most relationship in our life. Someone say amen. Amen. Now tonight is a game. Anybody be watching this game tonight? Just anybody is a chance. But what we're going to talk about is not a game. It's very, very serious, and we need to think, pray, look, study. And so if you're new to the church, we've been going verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and we're in chapter 20. Go ahead and open your Bible now, and let's look. Verse 1, and in six verses, we see the, the phrase, I saw. Verse 1, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for how long? And he threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so he might not deceive the nations any longer until the how long? thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a short time. We'll talk about that later. The next thing he said, I saw thrones. Everyone say thrones. Seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, nor received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for how long? thousand years. And the rest of the dead did not come to life until the what? thousand years were ended. And this is the first resurrection. 
Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God. Priests of Christ and they will reign with him for how long? A thousand years. Take notes please as we study today. John writes down four names of our enemy. These four names reveal both his crimes and reveals how he attacks us. The first name John is told to write down is the dragon. And the name the dragon shows us how cruel he is and how relentless he is. The next name is the serpent of old, which takes us all the way back to the book of Genesis where the liar deceived the first man and the first woman in Genesis chapter 3. You do know he lies, right? And he lies to you every day. C, the next name is the devil. Everyone say devil. And the devil means the one that accuses. He is accuser of the brethren. He accuses you to God. He accuses you to each other. And most of all, he accuses, accuses you to yourself. Because that brings condemnation and discouragement. And then we see John wrote down another one of his names, Satan. And Satan means adversary. Everyone say adversary. An adversary is someone that comes to your door, rings a doorbell, has a list, and your name is on the list. And the list is people that he wants to destroy. So he tells you up front, I'm your enemy, and I'm going to hurt you and hurt your family. So heads up, that is the devil, your adversary. Now some other names that scripture gives him. He is the tempter. We see that four times in the book of Revelation. He is the deceiver. He is a roaring lion. And he is the God of this age. God with a little G, because he always wanted to be the God with a big G, but he will never be the God with a big G, because he's a God with a little G. He's a created being. And then 1 John calls him the evil one. Say that with me, please, the evil one. And so verse 1 says, I saw a majestic, powerful super being, an angel, not an army of angels, one single angel, who came and apprehended this uh, most wicked criminal and drug him to the place of his spiritual imprisonment. And the name of the place, that prison, is called the bottomless pit. Well, how far down is the bottom? It is a bottomless pit. And he was thrown in there. He was first chained, and then the cover was locked, and he was sealed for a thousand years. And this is the supermax prison for the most wicked and dangerous of all fallen angels. And there are some very wicked ones. Now, our country has one supermax prison. It is in Colorado. Most people would never even know it is around. It's kind of a secret location. 
It is, I guess it's not a secret anymore. Uh, it's in Florence, Colorado, and it currently houses 400 of the most dangerous and wicked criminals that have ever been on our shores. These particular criminals and the criminals that have gone to the abyss are too dangerous, too high profile, like this is one of the planners of the 911 uh, massacre. They are such a security risk. This is one of the two brothers that planned the Boston Marathon bombing that maimed and killed a lot of people. Does anybody know who this guy is? This is Terry Nichols. He with Timothy uh, McVeigh planned and executed the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, this is El Chapo, the most dangerous. I think I just did something. Did I do something? Oh, there we go. The most dangerous drug lord that it maybe has ever lived. He's escaped many times. That's why he's here. So he will never escape again. Now, when the deceiver is locked up for a thousand years, evil will be removed from the planet during the millennium. Someone say, good job. That's a great job. Get this guy out of here. And so what this passage describes is Christ's millennial reign. Maybe you've never heard that word. You say, some people say it's not in the Bible. Well, it's not specifically, but it comes from the Latin word milli, which means thousand, and from the Latin word annum, which means year, thousand years. Sometimes people ask me, Steve, do you think this is a literal thousand years? Because some seminary professors and some pastors do not believe that. I believe it is absolutely literal and not symbolic because Jesus mentioned it six times in six verses. So I take it literally. Now this is very important. I never thought of this before until the last couple of weeks. During the millennium, the earth will be renovated everyone say renovated if your wife wants her kitchen renovated that means a big upgrade is coming and i believe we you and i will be a part of the team that does the renovation renovation means something is better would you like a better earth is that yes or no i'd like a better earth it is a time Now, I hope I don't create more questions and I give you answers. That is a possibility today. It is a time where God will fulfill all of his promises to Abraham and his descendants. What you see in the artwork on the the screen here is from Genesis chapter 15. God approached Abraham, the father of our faith, and said, I want to make a covenant with you. In those times, the covenant was a really big deal. Maybe you've got two warring clans that want to stop fighting and killing each other. And so what you do, you take specific animals, you kill them, you divide them right down the middle, 
and you put their carcasses about six feet apart and the two warring factions or the two groups that want to make a covenant will actually pass through the dead bodies of those animals signifying this is a very serious deal. If you don't keep your end of the covenant, you might end up like this. And so Abraham waited a long time for the creator to show up and actually walk through these bodies together. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And finally, Abraham got sleepy and he went to sleep. And he was startled in the night. And this invisible form was walking between the carcasses holding a torch that Abraham could see. Essentially saying, I know you can't keep the covenant, so I'll make sure it gets kept. I'll take full responsibility for it. Now, one of the wonderful things in the covenant is he told Abraham that night that your descendants will spend 400 years as slaves in Egypt. But after the fourth generation, about 400 years, I'm going to bring them back to the promised land. And they will live here, right here in the promised land. And Abraham was so excited, still puzzled. And then God told him something pretty amazing. I'm going to give you the boundaries of your property. It's going to go as far as the Euphrates River. It's going to go as far west as the Nile River. It's going to go up in today what is Turkey. And it will be bordered by the Mediterranean. And when you look at that map, it's about 20 times larger than what Israel has today. And I've always wondered how, what God says will happen, but when Is there going to be a war before the tribulation? Will they get this in the tribulation? I believe what happens is his family will get this during the millennium. Then we see a recreated earth. Everyone say recreated. Recreated is very different than renovated. The very next chapter starts off like this. John said, I saw a new heaven. I saw a new earth for the old earth, the old heaven, the renovated earth in heaven had passed away. So you can have better, but I even like best. Point number three. After the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is very clear that he will set up his earthly reign And he will reign from Jerusalem. It is still the city of David. It is still the place his heart desires most. And this will happen during the millennium. And the millennium is only the first phase. The first thousand years of Christ's eternal reign. Everyone say eternal. Which means it never stops. Christ's kingdom will be earthly. Of course, it'll be all over the universe too, but it'll be here. It'll be earthly. And it will be as literal as any kingdom that has ever existed on earth. Anybody know where this this place is? This is Gatlinburg. 
They've done some work down there. You know, I practice this name, and I may butcher it, but Tenochtitlan. I still butchered it. It was the capital of the Aztec Empire for a long, long time. Christ's millennial kingdom is more real than this place. How significant was this place? It was on an island in the middle of a large body of water with about six or seven causeways getting to the shore. For 200 years, it was one of the largest cities in the entire world. Hernan Cortez had his troops and Indian allies, and they assaulted it for 93 days before they took it. Does anybody know where this is today? It's essentially Mexico City. This is the Forbidden City. 500 years Chinese emperors ruled from this place. This place. His kingdom is more real than Moscow, London, Beijing. There have been rulers there in Moscow for 850 years, and it's where the Soviet Empire was ruled from for 70 years, and they have a big role to play in the end times. Another wonderful thing about the millennium, Jesus Christ will claim the throne of his ancestor, David. When David was a fairly young man, he had an encounter with the great God of the universe. And he said, I'm going to raise up a descendant after you, and he will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Point number four, John said he saw thrones. Everyone say thrones. What do you mean thrones? It's more than the thrones of the 23 elders, additional thrones given to the servants of the Lord. And the thrones show both authority and responsibility and position. A lot of you will have, maybe all of you will have responsibility during the millennium. If you've been faithful in a few things, he knows you'll be faithful in more things. And it'll be part of your reward. Did you know every believer will stand before the the judgment seat of Christ, and that's a place of reward. Even a cup of water given in Jesus' name will be rewarded. Every prayer, every dollar, every time you share the gospel, every time you love somebody, every time you pray for a missionary, every time you show an act of kindness, you will be rewarded for that. And the basis of reward is faithfulness. Did you do what Jesus asked you to do. Did you use the specific gifts the Lord gave you? Because when he created you, he gave you gifts like nobody else on the planet. You're one of a kind. You're one of the greatest works of art the creator could make. And Luke 19 says to those servants entrusted with gifts. He said, when they showed what they had done, 
He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now take authority over ten cities, and I assume that is in the millennium. Plus, rewards are based, I believe, on length of service. What do you mean? Here's a young Billy Graham, and he preached the gospel, squeezed the most out of his talents as he possibly could, served the Lord. And I want to ask you, does it matter how well you serve Jesus? Is that yes or no? Yeah, it matters. And does it matter how long you serve Jesus? Yes, it does. I've led a lot of wicked men to Christ on their deathbed. Glad to do it. Enjoy doing it. Love to see men that have rejected Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years come to Christ, but they have wasted their life. The greatest testimony is to come to Christ when you're 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 and walk with Jesus all your life. Now, a few characteristics of the millennium. Turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 11 of Isaiah. Chapter 11 of Isaiah. And some of this is conjecture on my end. I know the scripture is true, but how this plays out, I'm not always sure. It's a puzzle. and We only get several pieces of the puzzle. My guess, there will be a partial Lifting of the curse during the millennium. Do I understand all this? No, I do not. But over all these years, I've studied the scripture, especially the Old Testament. I see verses and I go, I don't know how that can happen in this lifetime. Then I see the same verse and I go, I don't know how that applies to eternal eternity in heaven. There must be something else these verses apply to. For instance, the millennium will be a time of the greatest blessings earth has ever seen. The seven feasts of Israel will be celebrated. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, Jesus is the theme of all the feasts. The church has forgotten most of them. But here's a verse I puzzled over from Zechariah. It says this, if anyone does not come to worship the king, I'm assuming in Jerusalem, I will make sure they get no rain. And this is a temple of, this is a feast of booths or tabernacles. See, another thing. I believe there will be yearly pilgrimages to Jerusalem, since that is Jesus' headquarters. How many have been to Jerusalem? Hold your hand up. It's my favorite place. If you've not been, you will get there sooner or later. It may be a thousand years. No, it may not be. There will be no tempter, which is really cool. Isn't that great? No tempter. Be a lot of peace on the earth because the tempter is locked up in the abyss. And there'll be no need for armies. There'll be no need for the IRS to fund the armies. Someone say amen. Amen. Isaiah 2 says this, they will hammer their swords into plowshares. Isaiah says nation will not lift up sword against nation. Isaiah says never again will they learn war. 
F. Apparently, apparently, apparently human life will be lengthened. Where do you get that? From Isaiah 65. No longer will an infant live only a few days. No longer will old man not live out his days. A youth, even a, a person that dies prematurely will die at age 100. No one who does not reach 100, it seems like something is wrong. Now look at this verse. Does anybody know where this tree is? I love trees. This is Military Road and Harrodsburg Road. Ball Holmes was going to cut it down. And then they found out this tree is at least 300 years old, maybe even 400 years old. Every day I see this tree, I love it. But here's what what Isaiah says. As the lifetime of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. Next animal kingdom will be at peace. Do you like animals? I like animals. Isaiah 11. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall be shall lie down with a young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. A little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear, I love bears, everyone say bears, shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play around the den of the cobra. I told you I like bears. love bears. It's going to be nice to have your own bear live in your den with you. 1,800 pounds. Of course, you could have a T-Rex in your garage and he would be tame. That'd be pretty nice too. Oh, this bear is like, I think he's saying, want to play? High five? Down low? Too slow? How about this one? He's like, he's saying, a little help, a little help, please. A little help. Been trying to get a ride four days. Come on, a little help, a little help. Getting tired here. How about this one? Super Bowl party. Steve, a few more wings. Steve, Steve, wings. Pepsi, wings. Steve, Steve, Steve. How about this one? This is a bear in prayer. How about this one? Valentine's for bears too. Gentlemen, I threw that in for you, kind of coming up like okay this is my favorite one do you know you know what's going on here this is a chicago bear he's 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 waiting for game time but he ain't going to the super bowl again sorry sorry you can punch me later so what's really cool is the land's going to be restored to the beauty and the splendor of the Garden of Eden before sin ruined it. Some of the most beautiful places in the world are ugly now compared to the way it will be during the millennium. And all the natural processes of life apparently will continue during the millennium. Where do you get that, Steve? Now, I don't know if this is already happening, maybe, It says old men and old women will again sit in the streets of Jerusalem. The streets will be filled with playing children. Well, it's kind of that way now. 
but it may be greater during the millennium and there will be lots of social infrastructure that will still be going on. There will be food production, I believe restaurants, water, electricity, construction project, businesses, building, worship, Bible schools. I believe they will still continue. I mean, this is better than sitting around on a cloud and playing a harp. Do you agree? There'll be things to do. You will still use your gifts and talents. There will be the need for education at all levels. There will still be beautiful artwork created and media and technology will just explode. Why not? And the cities that were destroyed during the tribulation will be restored. Isaiah says, you shall be called the repairer of the breach. And I love this. There will be some awesome highways created. How do you know that? Isaiah 19 says, in that day, there will be a highway that stretches from Egypt to Assyria, which is Iraq, And Israel will be the third part, and they will worship. And you think Brandon Road will be called the Holy Highway. This is much more holy than Brandon Road. Because the Lord of hosts says this, look at the map on the screen of what Isaiah saw. And then the Lord said, let me affirm some things. Egypt is my blessed one. My blessed people. Then he says, Assyria, that's the work of my hands. Then he says, Israel is my inheritance, my treasure. Okay, justice and peace will reign over the earth for a thousand years. I love this verse from Isaiah 11, verse 9 and 11. He says, there'll be nothing to destroy anywhere. In my holy mountain, and I love this, say this second phrase with me, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we will reign with him. We will be, the word is priest, which is someone that influences others for God. We will serve him, we will love him, we will worship him, and we will carry out his bidding. Now the first resurrection, everyone say first resurrection, is for a particular people. You want to know who it is? Says it twice in what we read, first resurrection, what is it? It's for people that belong to Jesus. Do you belong to Jesus? And the scripture says they came to life. And they reigned with Jesus for a thousand years. Well, Steve, specifically, who are they? Well, I think they're four groups of people. Well, okay, who are they? One, they are Christians, believers that came from the church age, from the Pentecost all the way up to today, are believers that have given their heart to Jesus and are saved Their names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. Today, 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe 100,000 people will give their heart to Jesus. 
the next group are Old Testament saints. Well, like who? Like Abraham? Like Moses? Like Ruth? They will be there. And then the third group are the tribulation saints. That's found in chapter 7. And the scripture gives a really unpleasant word. It's a word that people that have died for their faith during the seven years of the tribulation. Why did they die, Steve? Because... They were not believers when it started, but they would not take the mark of the beast. They would not surrender to him because it became clear what he was doing. And they chose to accept Jesus knowing they would forfeit their life. And John wrote down in chapter 20, they died for the word of their testimony And because of the word of God that they learned. Well, how many people, Steve? I have no idea, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it could be as many as a billion people. Where do you get that from? There's a little hint in chapter 7. We don't know for sure. But it says multitudes and multitudes so great that cannot be numbered. We're around the throne. Worshipping the Lamb from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And they had come out of the tribulation. And then last, those believers, those people that became Christians and actually survived. And they actually saw Jesus open heaven and return. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is the hardest thing. I don't like to talk about it, but I will talk about it. Uh, Here's a question. Do healthy families talk about hard things when it's needed? Or do healthy families sweep stuff under the rug or act like it didn't happen? Or refuse to confront? What do you think? Do healthy families talk about hard things? Yes. In the same way, healthy churches also talk about hard things. I don't like to do it, but I got to do it. And here's the hard thing I want to talk about, because it's in the passage. If it's in the passage, I got to talk about it. From the time of Pentecost, when a person rejected Jesus and they died... They went to a place called Hades. It is a very unpleasant thing to think about or talk about. But Jesus talked about it. Jesus made it very clear. This was not a parable. He told an account of two men. One was rich. One was poor. One knew God. One rejected God. This is not about rich being rich or being poor. It's about receiving God and his son or rejecting him. One died and went to torment. The other one died and went to paradise. But I want to say 
those people in Hades today at this very moment, what they have coming up is much more horrific. I don't like talking about it, but I will because Jesus talked about it. If Jesus talked about it, I got to talk about it. Why did Jesus talk about it? Because he loved people and he wanted to warn people. It's why we train people to share their faith at Church of the Savior. It's why I give out tracts every week. It's why we have a missions ministry. It's why we pray throughout the week for lost people. It's why we love and care for people. Is There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And don't ever forget it. We should have tears that run down our cheeks for people. And this place called Hades, it was never created for any human. Jesus said it was created for the devil and his angels. I tell folks, sometimes we have frank discussions. I said, I want you to know we need to talk about something. There is a place that you were never destined to be in. God never wants you to go. He loves you so much. He's given me a chance to sit down and talk to you. And it's about Jesus Christ and the way to heaven. Jesus is the only bridge between wicked man and and holy God. Between Hades and a place called heaven. There's not a thousand ways. There's one way. I want to say this. The Lord God is not going to drag somebody that is resisting him and throw them over on the other side. He's not going to drag them across. He will invite them. He might even use pressure to get them to wake up. But it ultimately is their decision. Now, we've been talking about this thousand years. After the millennium is open, this place called Hades will be closed and it will be emptied. And every person in Hades today will stand before the great white throne judgment found in Revelation 21. If you've never read it, You should read it this afternoon. And they will stand before the great white throne judgment. And the fact that the throne may be 10 miles high and is dazzling white shows them, shows everyone that you cannot come before that. With sin in your life. It's not grading out at 80% or 73% because the standard of white means purity 100% sinless. And that's only through the blood of Christ. And the question will be asked, is that person's name written in the book of life? And if it is not, they will be sentenced to the lake of fire forever. Now let me tell you about the first death. 
Jesus talked about the first death twice. What is the first death? The first death is physical death. All of us have a certain amount of days. Unless Jesus comes back, all of us will breathe our last one day. It just happens as a part of life. This is what God said about his children when they die. Say it with me, please. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why? His children are coming home. If you're a follower of Christ, your last day is your best day. Your last breath is your best breath. Because you're going to be home the way life was always meant to be. But the second death, everyone say second death, is something different. It is spiritual death. See, when a person dies, their spirit and their soul leaves their body when their heart stops beating and their brain stops working. They have left this earth suit, this shell that they have. There is a separation of body from soul and spirit. That's what death is. It is separation. And the second death is spiritual separation from God, good, and everything forever. And John was told to write this down. Worship team, would you guys come up? For you, are you ready? For you guys watching online, the Bible says blessed. Everyone say blessed. And holy, everyone say holy. Holy means you're not holy because of your performance. You're holy because of the blood of Jesus has cleansed you. Holy and blessed is the one who takes part in the first resurrection. And the second death has no power over them. That's really good news. Everyone say men. Amen. Now as the worship team comes out, I want to do a couple of things. I want to always give an opportunity for people to get right with God. To have their sins forgiven, to become a child of the living God, to get saved. And maybe you once walked with the Lord, but you've been all, you've been a prodigal for the last 10 years. Why don't you come back? And if you've never given your heart to Christ, why don't you do it today? What are you waiting on? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you folks watching online, Would you guys, all of you, say it together? Say it if you've never done it, or say it if you're coming back home, or say it just to affirm your faith in Jesus. Would you all pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, more time, Lord Jesus, I love you. I need you badly. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that your blood has cleansed me from all my sin. Thank you that I have a home in heaven and my name is in the book of life. I am your child and I am your servant and I will serve you faithfully all the days of my life as you give me strength in Jesus' name. 
Now, if you've done that for the first time, tell somebody you've done it. There's going to be people here to pray with you. But the last thing we do is our worship team leads us. God is pouring himself out 10 miles down the road at Wilmore. And we want to stand. We want to ask him to cause it to spread. We want him to change our state, our nation, and universities all across our land. We want him to touch internationals and people that don't even think about God. We want him to move powerfully. So would you join me at the altar in these last songs? And let's cry out for an awakening for our land. Would you join me? for more of you. We just set our gaze on you right now. We're not going through the motions. We just want to be with you this morning and cry out together corporately for you to come.
the kingdom yours? Is the power yours? Is the glory forever? Amen. And yours is the kingdom yours? Is the power yours? Is the glory yours? And yours is the kingdom yours? Is the power yours? Is the glory forever? Amen. And yours is the kingdom yours? Is the power yours? Is the glory forever? Sing Yeshua, Yeshua.
I think we might need to continue worshiping. What do you all think? What I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you right now, if you need to go get your kids, go bring your kids in here. My kids are in here right now because they want to be in worship. They love Children's Church. They love Lauren, but they've wanted to be in worship recently. So go get your kids. Bring them back in here, and we're just going to linger. Is that okay with everyone? Rob, you just flow. Is that okay, Steve, if we do that? We're just going to keep worshiping. If you need to go, have the most blessed day ever. Take Jesus into the world. Bless your waiter, waitress at lunch. But for those of us here, we're going to stay and we're going to linger. And if you need prayer, there's people over this way that will pray with you on both sides. Man, there's prayer warriors all around you. Just grab somebody's hand and say, pray for me. So just go ahead and do it. I mean, God's presence is here. So keep doing it. Robbie, lead us. Okay.
Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you are encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you are encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.